Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to a history of Europe, key battles, the Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa of twelve twelve, part three of five. In the eleven forties, a new centre of power emerged from the desert sands of North Africa, which would reshape the politics of the Maghreb and of Al Andalus, a new religious movement known to history as the Almohads. It is all too easy to confuse Almoravid with Almohad, for these two successive empires have much in common besides their first four letters. The Almoravids, who came first, were a ruling dynasty from North Africa who formed an empire in the 11th century that stretched over the western Maghreb and Al-Andalus. Barnaby Rogerson, in his book, a Traveller's History of North Africa, writes how both tribes united the Maghreb for a century, starting off as a movement of Muslim reform. Both were founded by charismatic scholars and were based on the military prowess of a core group of Berber tribes, and both used the southern Moroccan city of Marrakesh as their capital. The founder of the Almohad dynasty was Mohammed bin Tumart, the son of a chieftain of the Berber tribe called the Masmuda, who lived on the slopes of the Anti-Atlas Mountains in southern Morocco. After making a pilgrimage to Mecca, Ben Tumat studied for some ten years in Baghdad, where he became acquainted with the doctrines of the famed philosopher Al-Ghazali. Disillusioned by orthodox theological teaching, Al-Ghazali had discovered new inspiration in Sufism, expressed through asceticism and mysticism. Ibn Tumat returned to Morocco in 1118, convinced that he had a mission to reform the corruptions of the dominant Almoravid tribe and bring the Berber peoples back to strict Islamic orthodoxy. He set about this task by smashing wine jars and musical instruments and publicly insulting the Almoravid emir Ali ibn Yusuf. On one occasion, in Fez, he pulled ibn Yusuf's sister off her horse because she was riding without a veil. Ibn Tumat was perhaps fortunate not to be severely punished by the emir. Instead, he was able to take refuge among his own people from where he continued to preach his programme of Puritan reform, attracting greater and greater crowds. He gave his followers the name of Al-Muwahidun, or Almohads, that is, those professing belief in the absolute unity of God. They differed from the Almoravids not only in details of theology and by their tribal makeup but also in the way they were organised. Richard Fletcher writes in his History of Moorish Spain that Ibn Tumat seems to have set up some hierarchy of command 
which replaced the tribal organisations of the Atlas peoples. This made the Almohads a more coherent force than the Almoravid opponents when they began to campaign against them from the mid-1120s onwards. Another difference of the Almohads is that their empire would extend further east along the Mediterranean, as far as Tripoli. The Almoravids, in comparison, spread only as far east as Algier, but further south than the Almohads into western Africa. According to Barnaby Rogerson, the main flaw of the Almoravid system was they took orthodox thinking too literally, instead of rational argument in reaching a judgment. This was particularly acute in the local Malachite tradition. The Malachite scholars were held in high regard at school, court and government, and at times seemed to supersede the original sources of the Quran and the Hadith. The Islamic ideal became increasingly suffocated by a narrow, single-minded, conservative legalism, completely contradictory to new thought or the motivating spirit of religion. There was no room for theology, philosophy or mysticism, which were treated with outright hostility, as demonstrated by their public burning of the works of the previously mentioned Al-Ghazali, the intellectual hero of medieval Islam. Ibn Tumat passionately believed that the pedantic legalism of the Almoravids stood in the way of true religion. He condemned the Malachite law codes and recommended keeping to the original sources. When, in the year 1130, Ibn Tumat died, he was succeeded by Abdul al-Mumin, reigned from 1130 to 63, who waged war successfully against the Almoravids in northern Africa. The Almoravids faced a crisis in 1143 when their leader, Ali ibn Yusuf, passed away, precipitating widespread outbreaks of rebellion. In Muslim Spain, central power collapsed and was replaced by local statelets, which are sometimes referred to by historians as the Second Taifas. In the southwest of Spain, religious teacher and mystic, or Sufi, named Ibn Kazi, founded a sect called the Al-Muridin. The Almoravids tried to suppress the sect, prompting Ibn Kazi to appeal to the Almohads for help. An Almohad army crossed to Spain in 1146 and helped Ibn Kazi to take Seville, but the Allies soon fell out. Ibn Kasi was assassinated and the Almohads remained in control of the Algarve. Soon after, the Almohads extended their area of control into Seville and Merida. They tried to go further north, but they were also being kept busy at the time consolidating their hold on Morocco. After King Alfonso VII of Leon and Castile captured the city of Almeria in 1147, Abdul al-Mamin decided not to risk further attacks, but instead to fortify his recent conquests. Meanwhile, in southeastern Spain, there rose to power probably the most remarkable leader of his time, an individual by the name of Mohammed ibn Mardanish. El Rey Lobo, translated as the Wolf King as he was known to the Christians, he was a descendant of an aristocratic Muladi family, 
that is native Hispanics, who converted to Islam. Although Muslim, he spoke Romance, rather than Arabic, and dressed and fought more like a Christian than a Moor. After seizing power in Mercia, then Valencia, and several other cities in the southeast, Edirey Lobo maintained an independent principality until his death in 1172. He formed a close alliance with the Christian kings of the north by paying them tribute and receiving in return large numbers of Christian mercenaries. He also made treaties and trade agreements with the growing maritime sea powers of Pisa and Genoa. For decades, El Rey Lobo stubbornly resisted Almohad aggression, and this proved to be vital in providing the Christians with time to organise their own defences against the Almohads. The reign of Ibn Mardanish, or El Rey Lobo, is widely regarded as the Golden Age of Mercia. The region achieved great prosperity thanks to the development of a highly sophisticated irrigation system. Great quantities of ceramic were exported, especially to Italy, and there was also a great expansion in the cultivation of silk and manufacture of paper. So prosperous was Mercia that its currency became accepted as a form of exchange throughout Europe. Edoué Lobo was all the more remarkable for being the one and only Muslim leader to offer significant resistance to the Almohads. Everywhere else, throughout Al-Andalus, the Almohads took control. Seville in 1147, Malaga in 1153, and then Granada in 1154. As they expanded eastwards, they approached Almeria and set siege to the city in 1157. Almeria was a Christian island in the middle of hostile territory, so the small garrison of Genovese and Castilian troops who defended the city were insufficient to confront the approaching armies of the Almohads. Their only option was to lock themselves in the Alcazar, the central fortress within the city. Alfonso VII was too far away to help, so called upon his ally, El Rey Lobo, to go to the rescue. It was the only hope. El Rey Lobo hurried to Almeria with a large contingent of troops, mostly Christian, but was unable to break the siege. In desperation, Alfonso sent some of his own troops to try to distract the Almohads by attacking Granada, but the plan failed. The defences of Granada were too strong, and the Almohad army too numerous. The garrison in Almeria was forced to surrender. The leader of the Almohads, Al-Mumin, growing in power and confidence, called for the capitulation of the independent Taifa kings of the southwest of Spain. Faced with the threat of the Berber armies, they all agreed to submit. The Almohads were now in control of practically all the southwestern quarter of the peninsula and were looking unstoppable. The Christians, meanwhile, were about to enter a period when they lacked any notable strong leaders. On the 21st of August, 1157, King Alfonso VII of Leon and Castile fell ill and died. He had been, on the whole, a fortunate monarch to have ruled at a time when the Almoravid Empire was beginning to disintegrate, as he had been able to exploit their weakness to expand his rule southwards. Just before his death, he divided his realm between his two sons, 
giving Castile to his eldest, Sancho, and Leon to the younger, Fernando. The fact of the eldest son receiving Castile was indicative of how Castile was now gaining preeminence over Leon. We shall never know what type of leader Sancho III of Castile would have been, since he died after only a year and ten days in power, at the age of twenty-four, leaving the throne to an infant of only two years. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The minority of Alfonso VIII, reigned 1158 to 1214, was a period of great disorder in the Kingdom of Castile, as the noble families of Lara and Castro struggled for power and control of the child king. Just four years later, in 1162, another child king, also with the name of Alfonso, ascended to the throne of the neighbouring Kingdom of Aragon. His father, Ramon Berenger IV, had enjoyed a successful reign. The capture of Muslim territory most notably Tortosa, and the union of Catalonia and Aragon by his marriage to Petronila. At the time of his death, Ramon Berenger was in Italy, near Genoa, having recently concluded negotiations with the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick Barbarossa over the status of his holdings in southern France. To his five-year-old son, Alfonso II, Ramon Berenger left all his lands and titles, including Aragon and Barcelona, except for Cerdania and Carcassonne in the Pyrenees. These two small regions were left to his second son, Peter, or Pedro, who thus became the vassal of his elder brother. The two young boys clearly needed a regent, and the person charged with the title was perhaps unexpected. King Henry II of England. Henry was at the time at the head of a large conglomeration of territories, referred to by historians as the Angevin Empire. As well as England, this comprised large parts of modern-day France, from Normandy and Anjou down to Gascony. The motive for the decision was to try and play off the great powers of the continent in order to retain his family's interests in southern France in this case trying to retain a balance of power in the region between Henry II of England, the kings of France and the German emperor, all of whom had an interest in southern France. Meanwhile, the most intense conflict on the peninsula was between the Almohads in Ibn Mardinish at Ray Lobo, 
1159, the latter led a successful campaign into Almohad territory. After capturing the strategic city of Hayen and a number of surrounding towns, El Rey Lobo now threatened the capital of Almohad, Spain, Seville. Al-Mumin responded by leading a substantial army across the straits to reassert his authority. In 1161, the main centre of conflict switched to Granada, which for more than a year was besieged by the forces of Villarey Lobo and his Christian mercenaries. Meanwhile, throughout the region arose numerous pockets of resistance to Almohad rule. Al-Mumin, realising that if he wanted to keep hold of his conquest in Spain, he would need to dedicate all his resources to the task. The full mobilisation of his forces in North Africa was ordered, and also the construction of ships to take them across the straits. At first the Almohad armies were successful, and the siege of Granada was lifted. But then, in May 1163, just before a renewed major offensive, Al-Mumin became ill and passed away at the age of 69. His son, Abu Yaqub Yusuf, succeeded to power, but needed time to re-establish his authority, and the planned attacks were postponed. Edurey Lobo took the opportunity to renew his aggression and attack Almohad territory around Cordova and Seville. At the same time, the Christian kings launched border raids in the south. Almohad power in Spain was held by a thread. According to Barnaby Rogerson in his book, A Traveller's History of North Africa, the new Almohad leader, Abu Yaqub, was the Saladin of the West, famed for his sureness of his word, his generosity, his singleness of purpose, intelligence and statesmanship. He spent most of his reign on frontier wars and the suppression of rebellions. He was also an active patron of scholarship, encouraging the work of, among others, Ibn Rashid, 1126-98, who is better known in Europe as Averroes. The scholar Averroes is famous for his translation of and commentaries on the philosophy of Aristotle, which is widely acknowledged as helping influence the development of the Italian Renaissance. Abu Yaqub, having stamped his personal authority over Almohad, North Africa, in March 1165 led a massive campaign into Spain. His troops swept through the valley of the Guadalquivir, where the local leaders submitted to his command. Now suddenly, for El Rey Lobo, it was his own kingdom which was under threat of annihilation. He sent an army to confront the Almohads, which included some 13,000 Christians, but they were insufficient against the superior numbers of the enemy, and defeated in a major battle near Mercia. Mercia itself was besieged in October 1166. The city held out, and El Rey Lobo survived, but with his power greatly diminished. For the next six years, his influence declined dramatically as he lost city after city, and when he died in March 1172, his son submitted to Almohad rule. The Almohads had spent much time and resources in their long struggle against their Muslim enemy, but had finally prevailed. The Almohads had by now established a large empire in northern Africa, stretching as far east as Tripoli. 
one particular event of interest was their struggle against the Christian kingdom of Sicily for control of Tunisia. Between 1135 and 1154, King Roger II of Sicily, in a series of sustained military campaigns, had taken control of a significant area of North Africa, which included the cities of Tunis, Tripoli, Gabes, Sfax and Madia. It is tempting to speculate what would have happened if the Sicilian Normans had had more time to more firmly establish a state that bestrode the Straits of Sicily. Instead, a powerful Almohad army and navy attacked the Norman positions in 1159 and forced them back to Europe, probably taking with them the last remnants of the Christian population of North Africa. During this period, the Christian kings of Spain were as much at war with each other than against the Muslims. The kings of Navarra exploited the minority of Alfonso VIII to capture borderlands in Castile. Meanwhile, the attention of the rulers of Aragon was as much focused on southern France as on the peninsula. And in the west of the peninsula, Fernando II of Leon and King Afonso of Portugal were both trying to push their frontiers southward, but rivalry prevented them from undertaking any joint enterprise. The clearest example is when the Portuguese advanced to try and capture the city of Badajoz. Fernando became alarmed and intervened in aid of the Almohads, since the city had been reserved for Leonese conquest in a prior treaty. The Spanish historian Francisco Garcia Fritz, in his book Las Navas de Tolosa, stresses the negative impact of the disunity of the Christian kingdoms during this period. Not only did they not benefit from pooling their resources, but they often fought among each other over border disputes. These distractions prevented any joint action for the fight against Islam, or any significant Christian incursion in the Almohad-held territory. In this period, the Almohads were regularly able to exploit rivalries between Christian kings, and therefore consolidate their power in the south of Spain, and to prepare for a major offensive northwards in the last quarter of the century. The success or failure of the Christians depended on how much they were prepared to set aside their differences and work together. Whether or not they were able to achieve this is covered in the next two podcast episodes. Thank you for listening to A History of Europe, Key Battles. Have a great week. And until next time, goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.